All right. We got this, guys? All right, here we go. Okay. The words I heard during worship was death of visions, death of prophetic words. And I felt like the Lord said, just as I raised Jesus from the dead to life, so shall I raise your visions and prophetic words to life. That he brings all things that were not as though they were. So it was an encouragement to those that have lost vision, lost hope, laid things on the sidelines. God does not. His word, when it goes forth, does not return void. And we need to remember that and hold on to that. Amen. Yes, Lord. And here's what brings us authenticity to that word. I'm going to release the children in just a moment. Here's what brings authenticity to that word is Gary and Kathy have been through trials for a number of years now. And so for her to hear that is the Holy Spirit speaking light into darkness, hope into despair. And so that is a prophetic word. That means in the Bible, it talks about how the Holy Spirit speaks spontaneously, not contrary to scripture, but an affirmation of scripture. And that certainly is affirmation of the way the Lord is, his nature, right? To raise things to life that seem that they have died. And uh, hoping I've seen that many times in our lives. So thank you, Lord. Let's just receive that word right now. You want to mix faith with the word of God. That's how it comes to pass. All right, come on. Lord, we receive the Holy Spirit. We say yes to that word that you just spoke into this house. We say yes to the resurrection of dead vision, dead dreams. Yes, a seed must die before it brings forth life. Bring forth much life in the lives of this body, Jesus We agree with you, Lord, and say yes. Everybody just say, yes, Lord. Lord. Say, beat unto me me. according to your word. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You see, the angel came to Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, and said, your wife's going to have a son. And he said, how can this be? And the angel shut his mouth and made him mute for nine months. The same angel, Gabriel, goes to Mary, the mother Mary, and says, you're going to have a child. And Mary said, cool. How's this going to happen? Same question, different spirit behind it. One was doubt, one was faith. And uh, Mary got her question answered. Well, this is how it's going to happen. And it happened. How awesome is that? So, hey, real quick, there's a few things I have to do. I'm going to ask Kirsten, do you have an order of service with you, like a hard copy? Here today, this is a spirit-filled church, meaning that we give room not only to the pre-planned things that the Holy Spirit has given us to do because he is a God of order, but also the spontaneous things that he likes to do, the gifts of the Spirit, like gifts of prophecy. People are sitting here and they feel like they hear something from God and the Holy Spirit wants to bring something fresh and spontaneous into his body because God is speaking. He's alive and we are his children. He cares about those orphans. So it's so cool how we have the God speaking to people and then it confirms what God is doing. It's, it's so empowering. How many of you were here last week when, uh, when we had um, Dennis in the house, right? What an encourager. What a strong prophetic gift. We had breakfast on my way to the airport, and I said, if there's anything I would call you, if I had, I had to call you one thing, it would be a son of encouragement. <laughs> Amen? We need sons of encouragement. Speaking of, let me ask you this. You know, I get testimonies a lot about uh, being impacted by the sermon or being impacted by testing God financially and Him coming through or the gifts of the Spirit and how impacting, or acts of love and service. You know, another um, 
incredible way that God ministers to us is through music and through worship. And these guys, every week they practice, and every Sunday they come here while you're still in bed, and they're setting up the stage, and they practice, and they're ready, and you come in, and they service and worship. I want you to do this sincerely. If the worship in this house has impacted you spiritually and has helped you in your understanding of God and expanded you spiritually and deepened you spiritually, would you stand on your feet as a... Look at this. Can we thank the worship ministry of this house for what they have done? We want to thank you guys for your sacrifice and your service and your heart. The way you service uh, is uh, awesome, and we thank you so much for it. Amen. You can have a seat. I want to ask you to do this. Um, Speaking about words of encouragement, I'm going to ask you if you would send into the Gathering Place website at uh, info at Gathering Place Church, info at Gathering Place Church. You go to the website and you can find it. Uh, If you would send how the worship, the the music part of our worship service here, how it has impacted you spiritually. Would you please uh, email some testimonies in as an encouragement to the worship ministry of this house? Would you do that? Will you do that this week? Let me see a show of hands on how many people are actually going to do that. All right, great. You're going to at least get 10 words of encouragement, worship ministry. Praise God. All right. Let's get into the Word of God this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for how powerful the Bible is. We love it. We believe it. We preach it. We receive it. We live it. And we honor you because of it. Uh, so we are in a series right now in honoring the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, Today, I want to do a two-part teaching in this concept of the Holy Spirit, living life with the Holy Spirit, and I want to teach on how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Christian walk is not willpower? It is spirit power. Do you know that? If you don't know that, just walk with Jesus for a few months and you'll figure it out. Because there's no way in our human strength we can be Christians. The new birth is a supernatural experience birthed by the Holy Spirit. Understanding the Bible is a gift of the Holy Spirit because he's the author of the Bible and the revelator. Worshiping Jesus can only be done by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says no one calling, no one, no one speaking in an unknown, unknown language speaks Jesus, uh, calls Jesus accursed. In other words, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Bible says the Holy Spirit through us cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy. That can't even happen without the Holy Spirit. And so when the Lord calls us to follow him, the first thing he does is goes, he goes, and he breathes the Holy Spirit on us. Then he says, follow me. And then it's our, um, our job to stay connected to the Holy Spirit so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. I want us to look at this in Luke chapter 4. We looked at this um, in depth a while back. But I want to look at it just briefly this morning to set up this premise that we are to be led by the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 4 verse 1, even Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led. Everybody say, led by the Spirit. Okay, so even Jesus Christ was led by the Spirit. Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says this. Say this out loud with me, will you? 
The true children of God are those who let God's Spirit lead them. It doesn't mean that you're not a child of God if you're not being led by the Spirit of God. He's just saying those who truly are reflecting the Father at work, at school, in their marriages, in church, in the earth, the true children of God, those who are truly reflecting the core values of the Father's heart, are those who allow the Holy Spirit to lead them. Because that's the only way it's possible, right? Like when you're really angry on the inside and resentful at someone, the last thing you're thinking about is releasing them of their debt, right? And forgiving them, right? You just want to just keep your hand around their neck forever, right? Even metaphorically. And the Holy Spirit will say, forgive them. No, right? Isn't Isn't that how it works, right? You see? You can't live out this Christian life without the power and the influence and being led by the Holy Spirit. And this concept can be so frustrating. I'll, I'll tell you why. Look in the book of John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, starting at verse 5, Jesus is talking about being born again, entering the kingdom of God by being born again. Then he says in John chapter 3 verse 5, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now here comes the oddest verse in the Bible. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What does that mean? This is why being led by the Spirit causes some people in the body of Christ to have what I call spiritual constipation, right? You just get spiritually tight because you just don't, what is the Holy Spirit, what, huh, where, where? You don't know where he's coming from, where he's going, and you, you, you don't know why. And what? How can I follow God like that? One of the reasons why being led by the Spirit is so difficult is because it's so subjective. And I've found there's two groups of people in the body of Christ. The one group is the people who need everything to be predictable. You like to know exactly where the limits and boundaries are. You don't like the fact that being led by the Spirit is so subjective because it's dangerous. You don't know what's happening over there. You don't know when he's going to happen, what's he going to do. You would prefer to live by principle alone. That's why you love and cling to the Word of God, which is a very good thing. And those who do dumb things in the name of God really irritate you. The book of Proverbs is your favorite book. But the problem is, unless you learn to relinquish some control and trust the Holy Spirit, you will miss much of what the Spirit is doing. And I'm going to tell you something you don't, you're not going to like very, you're not going to like very much. Not everything the Holy Spirit leads you to do will make sense. Military strategy. Walk around the walls of Jericho for seven days. Don't say anything. Just walk around the walls. Could you imagine if that military strategy came down to our, our military? Right? Cuckoo! Right? You're, you're replaced. I mean... Right? Step into the Jordan River while it's overflowing its banks and rushing down. Take the Ark of the Covenant and just step into the water. What? And as soon as they did it, bam, the water split, right? Take your rod and stick it out over the Red Sea while the Egyptian army is about to destroy three million of God's people. This is the strategy. 
The Holy Spirit will not always tell you to do things that are logical and make sense to the natural mind. That's a test of how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Here's the second group of people. There's a little admonition to the first group of people that like things to be predictable. There's a group who loves the concept of being led by the Spirit because it is so subjective. Because it is so subjective. You're the ones that are very open to the unusual ways the Holy Spirit leads and guides, which enables you to catch much of what he's doing. Your favorite books are the book of Revelation and the prophets, especially the book of Ezekiel. Because he sees wheels in the sky and eyeballs. Unfortunately, because of this openness, you are more susceptible to doing things and calling things that other do the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit that are not. This is not good, and it can lead you to reject wise counsel, godly leadership, and Holy Spirit order. So both groups need to learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen. So, so what I want to do today is this. I just want to cover two points today. I want to start the series on how to be led by the Holy Spirit by talking about how not, how, how, what being led by the Holy Spirit is not. Okay, let's start there. We'll start with the negative. What the Holy Spirit is not. First, being led by the Holy Spirit is not doing anything that is contrary to Scripture. Now, you would think that wouldn't need to be said, but Lord have mercy on the body of Christ. When you've been pastoring for a while, you hear some of the most ungodly things being done in the name of the Holy Spirit. Look what the Bible says in 1 John 5, 7. There are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. So whenever anybody says to you or to me as a pastor or a connect group leader or whatever, I feel the Holy Spirit's leading me to do this. And it's contrary to Scripture. You know it's not the Holy Spirit. What does that Scripture say? Isn't that a powerful Scripture? These three in heaven, for there are three in heaven that bear witness, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. They never disagree. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something that is contrary to the Bible, ever. It's kind of like, you know, a student driver learning how to drive, right? And the instructor's in the passenger seat, and the, pass- and this, and, and the instructor says, okay, now listen, the manual says, stop at red lights. And the student driver says, well, I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit leads me to do. Sometimes the Holy Spirit might want me to run a red light. No, the manual says that you're supposed to stop at red lights. You're judging me. You're a legalist. You're controlling. (laughs) This is what we get in the house of God. It's what the Bible says. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit's leading me to do this. If you dare say, no, he's not. Whoa. Man, the flare-ups you get when you suggest that the Holy Spirit might not be leading you to do something contrary to Scripture. I mean, you may think this is wacky, but it goes on all the time. I don't know if it's because much of the body of Christ is biblically illiterate or if they just really think the Holy Spirit would trump the Word because really you just want to do what you want to do, right? You, plural. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about Joe Rhodes Church and Harry Kinnaman's church. And I'm talking about other people congregations they're just they have a lot of work to do in those other churches (laughs) 
crazy. I had a pastor just recently, I read it to you, people that say I've been led to leave the church, go to another church. You know, sometimes that's true. Most of the times you're offended, right? You don't like something. You don't like the way we do church here. Just say that. We don't like the way you do church here. We're going to go somewhere else. Praise God. At least you're being honest. But don't put the Holy Spirit's name on it. Come on. I'm offended. You hurt my feelings. Great. That's honest. Yay. We're dealing with reality now. You see, if we, but if we say, we just feel like we've, we're, we're moving on. The Holy Spirit's leading us to move on. So now we've put it on Christ rather than on your character. Let's put it on Jesus. I don't think Jesus is doing that. Most of the time. Sometimes he does. It's strategic and it's of the Lord. Most of the time, it's just the flesh. The Holy Spirit is not going to be leading people um, to divide and weaken churches. That's not his assignment. He's trying to strengthen churches and help us grow up as a spiritual community. Can I hear an amen? got false teachings and all sorts of stuff that people think that the whole you want oh man facebook just vexes me i get on facebook and i see some theology of christians even some in this house i'm like oh my gosh and they go to our church and they believe in what the bible's so plain on that on that doctrine i just i just don't want to look honestly but there's a lot of good stuff too some of you are preaching some really good stuff on facebook <laughs> So here's what I want to say. Always check what you think the Holy Spirit is leading you to do against the Bible. Let's start there. So that was the first point about what being led by the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something that is contrary to Scripture. Can it, at least just humor me. Say amen. amen. All right. Now we'll never have to visit that again, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. Secondly, what about when the scriptures are silent on an issue or they're not specific about an issue? Point number two, being led by the Holy Spirit is not removing your brain. Lord, I think my kids are awake. Oh, I should go downstairs. Lord, do you want me to go downstairs? Probably hungry. Lord, should I feed my kids breakfast today? They ate like 12 hours ago. So, no. I should brush my teeth first. God, should I brush my teeth or feed my kids first? I should probably floss. Should I floss and then brush my teeth? Okay, Lord, I'm just going to wait for you to tell me what to do first. Speak, speak clearly, God. I'm not feeling like you. Probably, you, you, can you talk faster? I can't, I'm not, I need to get out of bed. Do you want me to get out of bed right now? 
Do you want me to rest in your presence a little longer? <laughs> oh, I want to rest in your presence a little longer. I really need to use the restroom. Do you want me to go now? <laughs> Should I get up first? Oh, God, I, I really need an answer quickly. I have to use the restroom. Okay. Now, again, you might think that is silly now that the, uh, the, the skit is a little silly, but honestly, I have found so many of us believers get spiritually paralyzed because we're so afraid of missing God's will that we lose the use of common sense. You know, the, the statistics say we make over 30,000 decisions a day. And so if we're going to ask the Holy Spirit on every one of those decisions, it's just going to be, we're not going to get anything done. If we're so paranoid about missing God in every decision that we don't realize he gave us a brain and that he can trust us with it. And a lot of this comes from evangelical theology that talks about how evil we are. And, you, you know, the heart of man is wicked above all things. Who can know it? That it demoralizes us and it causes us to become so indecisive because we're afraid of our own motives. That we think all of our decisions are suspect. And it's just not true. God is raising you and I to be godly men and women that live life as salt and light of the earth. And listen, if you're, let's say you raise your children, they graduate, they get married, they, they uh, go off and they have a career and say they're 30 years old and every day they call you and they ask your opinion. What should I wear today, mom? Right, I'll take a picture of my cell phone. Does this match, mom? Do you think this is okay? What should I have for breakfast? You know, I mean, if you're getting these kind of questions from your 30-year-old, right, there's a major issue. I wonder if, God also feels the same way. I gave you a brain that was part of my creative provision for you. Use it. Spend time in the book of Proverbs. You don't even have to pray if you read the book of Proverbs. I mean, wait, let me say this. You don't need to pray about the book of Proverbs. Read it and do it and you will succeed in life. You know, the book of Proverbs actually talks about the ways and the paths of God. This is really important. There are ways of God that are already established in Scripture that you don't need to pray about. Tithing is one of them. Evangelism is another one. Loving your wife is another one, right? Being faithful, showing up early, sacrificing, raising your kids according to the Word of God. These kind of things are, don't even need to pray about them. They're already established in Scripture. But then there's the paths of God. And that is once you choose a way, the Lord will guide your path because let's say giving. Yeah, the Lord says to give, but how much and where and when and to who? Sometimes giving to somebody in financial need is the wrong thing to do because they got themselves in that situation through poor stewardship and the Lord's trying to teach them how to live proverbially with wisdom in the area of financial stewardship and you come and set them free from the pressure that they got themselves into through bad stewardship. You've just enabled them to continue in the bad habits and they'll never get to a place of success. So give, yes, to who and when, that's a path. That's the Holy Spirit. Let's say evangelism. The Apostle Paul, Jesus said, go into all the world, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So the Apostle Paul is going into all the world. He's headed into one town and the Holy Spirit says, don't go to that town. Oh, he goes into another town. Don't go to that town. Oh, then at night he has a dream and somebody in Macedonia says, come preach the gospel over here. So the way of Christ is to preach the gospel. The when and where and to who? The Holy Spirit will lead and guide. 
But there's a whole bunch of ways that are plain that you don't need to pray about. And you could be, you could be excelling so much faster in your Christian walk if you recognize that the Lord has given you common sense and he's given you the word of God to be able to make these decisions with. A lot of people live life as a Christian because they're so afraid of missing the will of God. And I get that. I am too. You don't want to make a wrong decision and miss the Lord. I personally think God's will is a lot broader than we think it is. I think it's hard to get out of the will of God if you truly desire to be in his will. In fact, when a person says to me, which I've had someone recently so distraught because they had a a choice between good and good, not good and bad, that's easy, right? Between good and good, what job to take? Uh, this was a medical situation. That's kind of difficult. What should I do? My doctors are saying I can do one of two things. What should I choose? I don't want to miss the Lord in this. A lot of times I feel like we live with a red light waiting for a green light. And I feel like God says, live with the green light and I will stop you if you're going the wrong direction. You can't steer a parked car. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. A man chooses his way, and the Lord directs his steps. I like the New Century Version. It says it this way. People make plans in their minds, but the Lord decides what they will do. Doesn't that give you so much more freedom? Now, we're going to start with the fact that we're going to, we're going to do it biblically. We're going to do it according to the Bible. But then as you're moving out, trust that the Lord is going to guide your steps. I had a great illustration that came to my mind a moment ago and it left. So Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask that you bring that back up. Oh yeah, this is great. I was, just, I was, just, I love it when he does that. He needs to help me. I think it was the Holy Spirit. I know how much help I need and I know how much he helps me. I was a singles pastor. Lord, have mercy when it comes down to the Lord. Oh, the Lord has one person for me, and I'm waiting for that one person. And when people get stuck in that theology, they stay single for a very long time. The Bible says this. There's only a couple places in the entire Bible where the Holy Spirit led a specific person to a specific person, person to a very specific purpose that influenced the whole nation or the whole world. But... I like the scripture that says, he that finds a wife, he who finds a wife. I like Christian dating sites. I think it's smart. Maybe I wouldn't have been 32 and not married if there was a Christian website before I got married. Thank God, God brought me to hope before I was 65, right? Yeah, really, huh? That would have been bad for her if I was 65 when she met me. Good point, Gary. The wisdom of the elders. I mean old people when I say that. Listen, I would see these singles getting so wrapped around the axle about, is this God's person for me? Is this the Lord's will for me? And they're starting with a red light looking for a green light. And I want to say, let's start with a green light. Are they a Christian? You have a green light. Oh, wait, 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 just back up. You would think I wouldn't need to do this, but believe me, it's necessary. Are they married? Look, I hate to say this, but it's happening. So let me say it so you understand. 
There are pastors in this country, a part of megachurches, that say to the congregation, the Holy Spirit has shown me I married the wrong person, I was supposed to marry that person, divorces the wife, marries the secretary, and half the church stays or more. Stupidity. Just stand up and be honest and say, I want to sin. I want to divorce my wife and I want to marry this person over here. I'll lose my ministry because of it, but it's worth it. Wouldn't that be a little more honest than putting God's name on something that is clearly unbiblical? Now, I know that's a a real terrible example, but it's happening. So you start with a green light if it's scriptural and then allow the Lord to lead you and he will block you or open a door here, right? And you're led by the Holy Spirit as you go. Is this a good word? I hope it frees you up to be making godly, biblical, common sense, use your brain decisions as the Holy Spirit says, yeah, that's a good idea. Sometimes when you don't have clarity and there's two, there's two good choices, like I'm saying, and you have a green light and you just get stuck. I know this is going to shock some of us charismatic being led by the Spirit, Holy Spirit people and God, your will be done. But sometimes God just wants you to choose. I believe that. When we were when 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 we were praying about coming down here to live here from Canada, I said, "I got to know your will. I got to know your will." And he said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "What do you mean?" And he said, "I'll bless you there, or I'll bless you here. Which? Where do you want to go?" And I said, "Well, we'd really we'd like to go to the states." And he said, "Go. It's your choice." Aren't you glad they came? <laughs> yeah. Because what he knows about you, Mark, and this is very important, what he knows about you is you would be about the kingdom of God in Canada or you would be about the kingdom of God in San Diego. So he's like, hey, whatever job you take, whatever thing you want to, uh, you know, be, uh, get a degree in, hopefully you're hardwired that way and you're making a you know, good choice based on well, whatever choice you make, I will bless you in it as long as your kingdom's first. Just go. Amen. That's a good example. When you don't live this way, indecision will cripple you. You'll second guess yourself all the time. How to do church. Do you know there's a thousand ways to do church? I really got, I really got um, bound up in this. And I was, I was going to church growth seminars. I was meeting with mentors. I was going to different people's churches. Hope and I, I took a year sabbatical. We went to a different church every Sunday. You know what I found out? There are a thousand different ways to do church. There's no one right way. And the Lord said to me one day, specifically about how to do the gifts of the Spirit on a Sunday morning in a church. And I studied Bill Johnson, and I studied Jack Hayford, and I studied Rick, uh, Rick Joyner. I mean, I, I read, you know, John Wimber, I, and I found out they were all doing it differently. And there are people in this body that had different opinions about how we should do what we do. And I was like, Ugh! And one day I was in prayer, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, the oppression that you're experiencing is from indecision. And immediately I knew that I was allowed to do it the way I felt the Holy Spirit was leading me to do it here in this body. And I called the elders and I said, this is what I think the Lord would have us do. And they all said, that is exactly the way we should do it. Bam. And then last Sunday, this is interesting, last Sunday, um, uh, the prophet was in, doesn't know me. And he stood here with tears in his eyes saying, uh, the way you're doing what you're doing. Uh, And he described it and he said, God is all over it. 
It was, it was, I, didn't, I didn't need it because we had made the decision quite a while ago and we're comfortable with it, but it sure was affirming and empowering. But I'm going to tell you, it's not the way Bruce Humphreys is doing it over at RB Press. It's not the way that, that Sean's doing it over at, at uh, Penisketus Lutheran, right? Because God's having them do it their way. It's all the kingdom of God, right? It's all the kingdom of God. This isn't the church for everybody, obviously, right? You got, you got three million, a, a, a county of three million, right? And, and, and where are the other two million, 900,000, 900 and some, right? But those who are here are here because they like the way we do what we're doing. And if not, then you pray about it and you see what the Holy Spirit would say. And he'd probably say, stay. All right. So. <laughs> All right. Write this down. It's real important. I'm going to have to come to a quick close. It's not up there, but I, I want you to write it down. God's job is to show. Your job is to go. God's job is to show. Your job is to go. And what I want to say about that is this. You are not required to obey something that you're unclear about. Once your heart is, God, I will do whatever. Just show me. He's not going to keep his will a secret. That's, that's abusive, right? We will say, well, you don't know what the will of God is. I've heard that so often. The Bible says, do not be ignorant, but know what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians chapter 5. If you're going to tell your child, if, you, if your child, if you have an assignment for your child, aren't you going to make it very plain to them? This is what I want you to do. I want you to take the trash out on Tuesday nights. I don't know why they don't do it, but you make... You make you make the instruction very clear, right? Yeah. Don't do it. You give them the greatest opportunity to obey. I'm not going to say, son, I would like you to take the uh, on certain... Uh, uh. And he's like, I don't understand what you want me to do. Well, pray about it. God does not confuse us and then... And then reprimand us when we don't obey what we're not sure about what he really wants. That's why the last thing I want to say today is this. Sometimes it's not clear uh, from Scripture. You're not getting it from the Holy Spirit. And even if you are, I want to say this. Just like in point one, always check what you feel the Holy Spirit's leading you to do with the Bible. I do this. Always check what you think the Holy Spirit is leading you to do with godly counsel. When you isolate yourself spiritually, you're going to miss it most of the time. Because you know in part and you prophesy in part. You don't have it all. That's the way we lead this church. You can ask the elders team. I never come to them and say, thus saith the Lord, this is what we're doing, whether you like it or not. Because I know that Mark has a different lens he looks through. Gary has a different lens he looks through. So does Kathy. So does uh, Hope. So does um, Shelly. And so do the other leaders in the house. I never come and just say, thus saith the Lord. That's Old Testament. I come and say, this is what I feel like the Lord's leading us to do. What do you guys think? Do you have a witness on that? And most of the time, if not almost all the time, God's already spoken to them about it. And we get affirmation, confirmation, but so often it is reshaped. And it's like, ah, I think you're missing this piece over here. And it's challenging, but it expands you. And what's the Bible say? Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. But I said godly counsel. Don't be getting your counsel from unsaved girlfriends about your husband who you are having trouble with. That's a nightmare. I wouldn't put up with that. 
I'm serious about this. In-laws are the number four cause of divorce. If, you're, if your in-laws are criticizing your marriage, hang up the phone on mom or sister or whoever and say, until you're going to speak encouraging words into my marriage, I'm not talking to you about it. Click. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Say it again, girlfriend. Say it again. All right. Godly counsel. And here's a great scripture. The leaders of the early church trying to decide how to do church came together. Apostle Paul, James, Peter, they're coming together. They came from the four corners. They came to Jerusalem. They sat down and said, we're not sure about how to do the kingdom. After they prayed and discussed it together, they said in Acts 15, 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's the way God works. He works in community. So I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to ask you a few questions and let um, you and the Holy Spirit discuss this for a moment. Not all of these questions will apply. I have three questions, but maybe one will apply to you. And I'm going to give you a moment because this could be a, a, a change in your direction, you know. Uh, you're in a you're in a ship this is your life and the wind in the sails is the holy spirit he's the one that empowers you the scriptures are the rudder the scriptures keep you on course and if you feel like the wind of the holy spirit is breathing in your sails and it's contrary to scripture you will be shipwrecked no ifs ands or buts about it you will be shipwrecked if it's contrary to scripture So what is something you have felt the Holy Spirit has been leading you to do that does not line up with Scripture? Right now there's a brother I know that is doing something that's not not according to Scripture, and I warned him last week with grace. I warned him. And the Holy Spirit... spoke to him and i said you have to obey god this is not the will of god and he's doing it anyway and i was praying for him this morning because it's dangerous to do that and i pray that god will have mercy on him what is something you have felt that the holy spirit's leading you to do that does not line up with scripture now what are you going to do about it second question What is something you have felt the Holy Spirit has been leading you to do, but you have not done it yet? That's also disobedience. What is something you have felt the Holy Spirit has been leading you to do, but you have not yet done it? I want to encourage you today to say, if you step out, God is going to prosper you in that thing and then finally what is something that you need to make a decision about that you've been putting off because you don't want to make the wrong decision maybe it's time for you to make the best decision you can with the information at hand and trust that God will guide your steps
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's use our brains. In Jesus' name. God bless you, family of God. Go to Connect Group this week. Go ahead. Thank the Lord. We'll see you guys next Sunday.